0: In this edition of Hoopsology, Justin and Matt welcome Daniel Kawashima in our latest episode. Daniel is known as Coach Daniel on YouTube and breaks down NBA footage from an XSNL's perspective. His success on YouTube led him to become the Basketball Analytics Liaison for the Dallas Mavericks for several seasons. Daniel talks about why the Dead Memphis Grizzlies use analytics really well compared to other NBA teams, advice for other basketball YouTubers, and a bunch more you don't want to miss this chat. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Again, hoopsologypod at gmail.com. And follow us on all social media platforms. And subscribe to our YouTube channel for our latest content. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. And now, Daniel Kawashima. He's known as Coach Daniel on YouTube. You might check some of his work out um, if you're just a hardcore basketball fan. And he was the basketball analytics liaison for the Dallas Mavericks. We have the pleasure in welcoming Daniel Kalashima onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Daniel?
1: Good. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Justin and Matt.
0: And, and thanks for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. And along with yourself, um, I can't speak for Matt, but just <laughs> our podcast started around, you know, the pandemic and just the last dance and just getting to know really other people um basketball influencers within the space on youtube and twitter um your youtube page really stood out just for your deep knowledge of the game itself so we're really excited just to track your journey just you know from you know your youtube success into your success in the nba but before we get into that we usually ask a lot of our guests either what is your favorite basketball memory or your first basketball memory like how did you fall in love with the game of basketball
1: yeah uh basically just from playing from a really young age. So uh, my family, I have one older brother and we always had a hoop around the house and I was in leagues from very early on. Uh, favorite basketball memory? Uh, I don't know if one comes to mind, honestly. Any Maybe when I was younger, hitting a game winner in a game always brings back good memories. Uh, but yeah.
0: So let's talk about your journey on YouTube. like. Can you, and you you have a video kind of describing this, but this you know just putting in a quick synopsis. Can you kind of go over like really what inspired you to create you know your deep dives just into the games of the NBA? You know your inspirations and then just your success. Like did that surprise you in terms of you know how many people were really into your deep analysis of the NBA?
1: Yeah, so. I I, For some reason, I started to get really passionate about the X's and O's and strategy of basketball when I was around 14, 15 years old and because I had always played. And then so B-Ball Breakdown was definitely an inspiration for me, his channel. I would watch all of his videos. And so when I started my channel, I wanted to make some kind of basketball breakdowns. And so I kind of used uh, his channel as a guide to okay, I like watching that content. Maybe I can make something similar and add my own twist. And so I just started making videos when I was in high school. And yeah, uh, it took a while, but eventually I did start to gain a bit of a fan base. And I would definitely say once the channel really started to take off around 2019, it was a bit surprising just how much of an audience I was able to reach. I mean, I'm very fortunate in that respect, but because I always wanted to keep my content as hardcore as possible, as if uh, a person for a team was watching or a coach or, you know, so basically I, I think my content, because it was about the NBA and about these stars appealed to a wider audience, but I still wanted to, have nuggets of information in there that would be interesting, even to the most hardcore people who work in basketball.
2: So starting at 14 or 15, how did you start sort of like analyzing the game and being able to break that down on a deeper level for your viewers? Like what, what was kind of your process just in, in seeing those things that we maybe miss from play to play?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the very beginning, I would, let's say I wanted to make a video about the Bulls' defense. I would download maybe one or two games from the Bulls, and I would watch and just talk about what I noticed. So if they were icing the pick and roll and sending it toward the sideline, I'd notice that. Uh, I mean, my analysis really wasn't that great at the beginning, but but it was interesting to me. And so I'd always try to talk about stuff I was interested in, and I'll, I would say because of all my years of playing, I did have a, at least the base knowledge of the game. And then I, w- I was able to build on that by making videos and then consuming lots of content. So I'd read basketball coaching books. I'd watch B-Ball Breakdown. I'd read basketball writers. And that, so that's kind of how I built up my knowledge.
0: So Daniel, just i'm I'm so interested in terms of kind of the the technical aspect of how you create your videos so knowing how what how YouTube is as a platform like what is the typical creation process like of like creating one of your videos like from you know downloading just the game footage breaking it down and uploading it onto youtube and then also kind of what trends have you noticed on the platform just because, you know, YouTube is always changing their, you know, content guidelines. They're always taking stuff down and Madden. And I have encountered that as before for just ridiculous reasons. So like, mm-hmm. have you, what kind of challenges have you experienced Just you know, you know, going through your channel.
1: Challenges. Yeah. I mean, so in terms of like the guidelines stuff, I remember probably in like 2015, I uploaded two videos that were over 10 minutes long. And they both gotten take were, were taken down and which was extremely frustrating. And then what, at least back then, what I sort of realized was if, as long as I keep a video under nine minutes and 40 seconds, it was good. And so that's why uh, I don't know if my viewers have noticed, but on my channel, all my videos are under nine minutes, 40, even to this day, because having a video that, you know, worked hard on get taken down. Uh, it it like kind of scars you what's interesting now. And I don't know how it works is uh, it seems like a lot of channels are able to upload video with basketball analysis over 10 minutes. Like uh, I think thinking basketball does that and some other channels. So I don't, I don't know how it works now exactly, but what was the first part of that question? It was,
0: well, just your creation process. Like what is a typical, how how long does it take to like create one of those, those videos you've uploaded in the past?
1: Yeah. So my process would be like during the season, I would try to watch one or two games every day. So I was just keeping a close tab on the league. And then if there was something that stood out about a team, then maybe I would look into the stats and see if what I was seeing was actually true. And then basically if I stumble upon a video idea, let's say the Celtics offense, then I would get footage about maybe four or five games of the Celtics offense of the Celtics watch their offense take notes on what I'm seeing and what I want to talk about and then kind of go from there then I get the cl- uh, I would edit the clips down in Adobe Premiere Pro uh and then I would basically just construct the video so and then sometimes I would write a script for the videos but sometimes not like in the playoffs I wouldn't have time to write a script for the video I'd sort of just go off more naturally. But I mean, videos can take anywhere from 20 to 30 35 hours, I would say, so they they definitely take a little
2: bit of time. So, <clears throat> wanted to get your thoughts, Daniel, as as someone who's been both inside and outside the league. Um, you know, there's been I would say for the last decade like really the 2010s a, a big conversation and even surprisingly some controversy around um, analytics and just like use of analytics which sounds kind of silly to me because it's basically like you're you know acknowledging that there is data that you know could potentially benefit you to see but do you have any sort of like hyperbole that you can recall or that you've seen about analytics that you think is ridiculous? Is there sort of a, like, I guess, where do you fall on the spectrum of like paralysis via over analysis that a team might do versus like, you know, the, the person who will say, ah, you guys are wasting your time looking at this data.
1: Yeah. I think there's a balance, right? There's, there's always going to, there's people who, sort of reject analytics and uh trust more their eye tests and a lot of these people maybe are older and they they didn't grow up on the numbers or maybe the numbers are just they don't understand them and so they'll reject them a bit more but i definitely think they're helpful and but i also think like i remember very early on i would i would like see these player metrics all in one and they would say like some backup center is the 50th best player in the league. And I was like, okay, maybe that's true because he's efficient. But Mm. I think what a lot of people talk about is how basically you have to use both the numbers and your eye test. And particularly when it comes to a player's role. So they might do really good as the fifth option, only shooting open threes and layups and, Those players are needed, but like I think we're seeing with the Suns right now, uh, with a few players injured such as Paul and Booker, now you have guys like Bridges and Shaman and Aiden being thrust into a bigger role and they're struggling. And so, yeah, basically you need guys who can score and create shots. And I I will say I've seen it a, a good amount where uh, maybe some of the the lower usage role players who are great in their role get the, gets a little bit overrated because they're in the
2: perfect situation
1: uh i'm not sure if any of that makes a ton of sense mm-hmm. but
2: uh no for sure it's it's still at the end of the day a, a league of stars no doubt um but it's it's surprising what teams have been able to do. And I mean, the teams that that jump out in my mind over the last two seasons, I mean, the Memphis Grizzlies last season, granted, I mean, John Morant's incredible. Nobody's going <laughs> to argue against that. Um, but then also the Utah jazz, who I know you have, you've broken down some of the things uh, that they were doing on your channel. Um, is there potential for. um I guess, like sort of a money ball type of team in baseball that you could form around like one star player? Um, Or do you think, um, I I guess question would be, how many stars do you think a team needs to be competitive? Is it like a a two-star minimum in this league as it is right now with the depth of the league? Or what do you see when you're watching?
1: Yeah, I mean, the... Two stars would be great. Uh, I mean, right now, the Nuggets, they have Jokic as the main star. True. When you have a guy like that. Murray would theoretically be the second star, but he's been returning from injury. And the second best player this year for them has been Aaron Gordon, who really is just a role player playing off of them. So. But like, I I love the fact that you brought up the Grizzlies, because I think they're a great example of a team that uses analytics really well, Mm. where. They do have Morant and they have Jackson, you know, top five pick stars. But around them, in my opinion, they've surrounded them with these role players who they found, such as John Conchar, who has always been an analytics darling because of his smart play defensively and his passing and offensive rebounding. And so they find these guys who rate well by the models. Another example would be Xavier Tillman, who they drafted a few years back. And then also in terms of their on-court strategy, they uh, they they crash the offensive glass, which a lot of the the numbers and analytics would support. They I don't believe they take a lot of mid-range shots either. So they play in kind of an analytically friendly manner. But then of course you need the stars, such as Morant and Jackson's having a great year.
0: So Daniel, I want to track your journey. You know, from your success on YouTube to you know making your way to the Dallas Mavericks. How did that happen? And can you provide any advice for you know any aspiring you know YouTubers out there or people on Twitter that are looking to you know transition their passion for the game into an actual um, position within the the NBA? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. Uh, basically, th- how I got the job with the Mavericks was. I've been making videos for six or seven years on the channel, and I know for a fact a lot of people in the NBA have watched my videos, and one of them was liked them enough and thought I was good enough at what I did to hire me to the Mavs, so that's where I was for two seasons, and I would say my general advice to any YouTuber or person on Twitter looking to get an NBA is, well, one, they're already ahead of most people because they're they're putting their content out there where it can be seen. And they're putting in the hours of like people on Twitter, if they want to be an NBA scout and they're making draft content on Twitter and on their blog, they're basically already doing what a scout does, but before they have the job. And so they're really developing their skill set. And that was the most important thing for me. Like I was developing my skills in terms of video editing and knowledge about basketball before I worked for not just an NBA team, but any team. And so I was able to do a, do that independently, but I guess, yeah, my, my advice would just be that they're on the right track. And then really just thinking about other people, my age, it, it just stands out that there's, there's, there's a lot of different ways to get into the NBA or work in basketball, right? Like. You could be a former player. You could be a student manager at a college. Or there's there's all these different pathways, and so mine just happened to be with through YouTube. So it was a little more unique, but I, I kind of like how there it's, there's a lot of different opportunities for young people nowadays.
2: Yeah, I think the opportunity certainly is there. It, it seems like the competition is pretty high to get into some of those coveted spots. E- even certain like entry level positions. Is is there any particular advice you have about? Um, I guess like like standing out above the rest of the crowd of those content creators.
1: In terms of content creators, well, your your content has to be. Not just entertaining, but it has to be like someone could see the skill set and be like, okay, they can help our team. So like Ben Taylor and Thinking Basketball, I don't really know if he's interested in it and working for a team. He's probably not. But like you can watch his videos and say, okay, this is a really smart guy who understands analytics that and like if I'm a team, yeah, we can hire we can hire him and he not only understands analytics but he knows the game and he can video edit so you have all these different kind of skill sets but if you're just a creator who you know commentates over games and but doesn't really go in depth then that might be super entertaining for the casual fan but Mm -hmm. if i i don't know if that would help them get a job with a team
0: Daniel, have you noticed any trends within the space since you've started, um, either on YouTube or on Twitter, social media, um, in terms of, you know, other influencers patterning their style after yours or anything that maybe concerns you about, you know, social media platforms. I've known just a lot of other YouTubers have been, you know, concerned about this, their content being taken down for no apparent reason, just due to the constant changing guidelines of YouTube. Um, but how do you think those, you know, changing guidelines affect kind of the, the basketball medium that we're in? Um, have you noticed anything that concerns you or anything that excites you at all um, since you started to now?
1: Well, I mean, the thing that stands out is just how many more creators there are, which I think is a good thing. Back when I started my channel, the only people who really made like videos breaking down the NBA was me and coach Nick, right? That's, that's a big reason for my success was just, I was, I was basically number two. Now you have all these different types of people making content, probably some who I haven't even heard of, uh, because there's more and YouTube has grown as a platform. But I'm, I'm curious, kind of, like, I know you mentioned the guidelines. Like, do you have an example of someone whose content sort of, like, was taken down or they can't make videos anymore because of the NBA? Like, uh...
0: Yeah, for sure. That's a good question. I don't know if it affects basketball influencers, but I know other creators covering, I think, more, I would say, controversial topics that might use light, the of language, where those That content is affected. And I can see, you know, passionate basketball fans, if they use colorful language, you know, that content might be taken down without their warning. And so if that's what I'm seeing. It's just in terms yeah. of, hey, have you cursed within the first se eight seconds? Or if there's something that, you know, what if there's a headline pertaining to, you know, an, an athlete um, off the court that, you know, might be, you know, explicit in nature but it pertains to the game you know that content might be you know demonetized or taken down as well so you know i haven't personally heard of like the basketball space being affected but certainly entertainment i think that's been primarily affected for sure
1: yeah i I can definitely see how it affects other creators a little more than basketball creators
2: yeah Uh, yeah I mean, you've got to wait at least nine seconds before
0: you swear. Come on, <laughs> Justin. <laughs> right, right. But it's interesting because I've always, I think, compared to other sports, I think the NBA has been very um, lenient, correct me if I'm wrong, about others using their content. Um, I mean, the NFL for years has been very strict about you know their content being used on YouTube and other platforms. Till very recently, so I think it's very fascinating that you're you're able to download these games and then you know analyze them without the NBA. You know, the NBA sees you as a as a value as opposed to just taking your content down compared to other leagues. I think that's that speaks to you know how the NBA is very progressive in that regard.
1: Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I think as a lot of creators still do have problems with their content being demonetized. Uh, But for the most part, I actually think like two or three years ago, someone who works for the NBA YouTube kind of thing, they, they put me on a list of people who I can be monetized. It's okay to be, uh, I can get monetized. I won't get, because basically there's for the viewers listening, there's like three levels. There's one, which I mentioned before, which was if at least for me, when I had a video over 10 minutes, it would just, the video would be removed completely. Wow. The second level is, and this happened a lot for me over the years, is I'll put up a video and they'll let the video be on YouTube, but they'll demonetize it. So I can't make any money off of it. And then the third level that fortunately I've been at the last few years since like 2019 or something, is I can make a video under 10 minutes and I'll be able to monetize from it without any problems. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know how exactly it's like for a lot of creators, especially new ones, but I was fortunate enough to get to that third level where I didn't really have any problems.
0: Do you see like a massive issue with that? Cause I think, you know, these are basically free advertisements for the league. I mean, these are hardcore NBA fans watching this content that's consuming this content that's going to want to watch full games and that's going to buy merchandise, that's going to maybe buy a league pass. And I think by, you know, imposing stricter restrictions on YouTube influencers, I, it's only harming themselves. I, I, I realize it's their content, and they have ultimately control over it. At the same time, you know, in a way, all of these influencers, including ourselves, we're promoting the game. It's like free advertising. Yeah. We're, we're not getting paid by the NBA. So it's just like, why are they putting so much you know, stress and just pressure on on yourself and just other influ- influencers in terms of demonetizing their content when in actuality they're making a the money in the long term.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I would sort of understand if they wanted to take like a percentage of it because sure. it's is- that, I think, but, but yeah, I mean, I agree. It's not like we're posting full games on YouTube. Yeah. We're just, we're, we're creating our own original content and making it more interesting for the fans.
0: No, completely agree. Daniel, thank you very much for coming on to the show. Really appreciate it. Please let our viewers and listeners know where they can find you on social media. Um, anything else you wanted to share as well, um, just what you're up to these days.
1: Yeah, uh, inter- I don't really have any social media to promote, but, uh, my YouTube channel is coach Daniels, yeah. if anyone wants to check that out. And then I, I just want to let them know for any fans watching that. Uh, I I'm not sure how many videos I'll be making in the next few months because I'm just kind of preoccupied with some other stuff, but I, I should at the very minimum be making videos in the summer and getting back on YouTube. So. Uh, I don't. I don't want to put anything in ink, but just a brief update to any followers out there.
0: Gotcha. Must appreciate the time, Daniel. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Justin and Matt. Really appreciate it.